All right, 2 Kings. I know we just prayed, but we're going to pray again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Uh, the word of, words of man are a waste of time. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. As we, were, we did last week, we'll be doing that again this week if we have time. So I'm going to try to leave time at the end for 10 minutes or so of Q&A. Uh, like we did last week. So if we're going through the study tonight, I'm just telling, sharing you, that with you now. So if something pops up where I'm teaching tonight and you go, I don't understand that, or I have a question, uh, you can save it to the end. And Lord willing, there'll be time left over for us to address it. If we don't get there, forgive me. All right. So last week, I tell the message, keep looking up, set your mind on things above. And we talked about where do you turn in times of distress uh, we, to, that we praise God for divine appointments to bring divine wisdom and correction. Who will you obey, God or man? Remain faithful to God, share God's word with others. And we saw this, this the new king that had arised, uh, risen after Ahab died, and it was his son. And if you guys remember him, his son Ahaziah. And Ahaziah, as we saw, did not break free from his dad's evil ways. He continued in his wicked ways. And we see that his kingdom doesn't last very long. By the time we got to the end of the chapter last week, if you remember as king, he continued to do evil things. You'll remember that he fell out. He fell from a second story through some lattice, landed on the ground and said, here he is, the king of Israel, of God's people, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And who does he cry out to? He sends his people to go seek after the foreign gods from the place where his mom was from to ask them, these, these dead gods of, you know, the, of Baal, Beelzebub, uh, right? Whose name later becomes synonymous with, with Satan. Uh, you know, hey, am I going to live? And if you'll remember that there was a divine appointment along the way that Elijah met them and Elijah went back and praise God for Elijah because he told the truth regardless of how it would be responded to. And we saw at the end of the chapter that Azahiah died and that his brother took over as the new king. Now we're going to see the end of another life tonight. Well, not the end of it. He's just going to move, literally just going to move. He's not going to die. So we saw how Azahiah, a man who worshiped false gods, how things ended for him. And tonight we're going to see uh, the transformation from the time of Elijah to Elisha. And so Chapter one, again, Elijah faithful to obey God's command and to speak the truth with uncompromising boldness. He delivered God's word exactly as it was given to him. Boy, that's a lesson for every pastor and every Bible teacher on the planet. Can I get an amen to that? We don't need to add to the word of God, take away to the word of God, reinterpret the word of God. It doesn't need, we don't need any new translations. Can I get an amen to that? Let's just teach the whole counsel of God as it was given to us. And in a time of great uh, wickedness and idolatry, Elijah was one of the few faithful. And it would seem that it would be vital to keep him around. It would almost seem like he's irreplaceable. Remember, he even thought he was the only one left. God corrected him. Remember, he said, I'm the only one. And God said, I got 700 more just like you. Amen. So whenever we think we're the only one serving God, praise God, we're wrong. Amen. But what's, what's amazing about this is, though, that he is being used mightily. And he is the one who's confronted King Ahab and has confronted Jezebel and now confronted King Ahaziah. And he's a, a man of God. But, you know, sometimes we think that people are irreplaceable, but the reality is we can all be replaced. Why? Because... Everybody that's ever lived that knew the Lord at some point, if, you're not, if we're not dead yet, all the rest of them have died and gone to heaven. Amen. 
and God has another generation behind them that he's building up. And that's one of the examples we want to learn from tonight's text is that there's somebody coming behind Elijah that he's going to pour his life into and has been preparing to take his place. If the Lord should tarry, we need to do the same thing. Can I get an amen to that? We need to give ministry away. We need to give people opportunities to use their gifts. We need to make disciples. That's what God's called us to do. We're going to see Elijah being faithful to that. We're going to see in tonight's text, while it's true that God uses men and women as vessels to preach the truth and minister to others, no one is irreplaceable. Again, all the prophets and men and women of God from previous generations have gone, that have gone before us have gone to heaven. And if the Lord tarries, we too will go to heaven. God doesn't need us, we need him. Amen. Amen. Now he chooses to use us and him using us is a get to. And I, I've had several conversations with pastors this week, friends of mine, we stay in touch. And, and it's amazing. The same theme keeps coming that, man, we're so blessed that we get to do what we get to do. I can't think of anything better in the world that we get to do than teach God's word and love God's people. Amen. So it's both humbling and heavy as we consider the calling almighty God has placed upon our lives that God chooses to use you and me. And I want to encourage you. You're going to see it tonight. I know we talk about this a lot. I pray that you wouldn't be satisfied being in the, you know, in the parking lot of Christianity, where your cars just parked there and you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. Be praying for divine appointments. I love how God, God gave me a divine appointment the other day. I was mad and I got a divine appointment. I had, I had a scheduled haircut time. I went, they gave me this thing. They told me to come. I showed up. I was first one there. My name's on the list. And they brought six people in in front of me and told me I had an hour to wait after I drove from my house. And I was like, okay, that's not really nice. So I got in my car and I drove down the street to another place that cuts hair. I happened to walk in, end up talking to the woman about the Lord for an hour. And she lives across the street and she's seen our sign. See, God has a way of, of, of turning what makes us mad. It's really a divine appointment. Can I get an amen? I'm glad I got kicked off the list, right? So we just need to be praying every day. And you know, and then last uh, week ago, Sunday, John came to me and said, you know, I love to teach seniors. If that ever comes about, you know, I'd love to do that again. And the next day, a lady from a senior living in Calabasas called and said, do you have anybody who can come and do a weekly Bible study? So I called him up and he's starting on Wednesday. Can I, amen. So guys, the best ability is just being available. Amen. Just saying, look, I'm here. Lord, however you want to use me, I'm in. Whatever the question is, Lord, the answer is yes. Amen. And I want to tell you, as pastors here, the last thing we want to do is hoard all the ministries. We don't do that. We would love to give it away. We would love to have all of you, you know, using your gifts and serving the Lord. So it is humbling to know that God uses people like us, but we need to make sure we don't miss it. We're called to know him and to make him known, to make disciples, to give ministry away and to finish strong. So now tonight's outline, appropriately enough, I titled Pursuing Intimacy with the Lord. How many of you guys need to be closer to the Lord than you are right now? Can we always be closer? What's the answer? And we're as close as we choose to be. Looking for point number one, you're as close to God as you want to be. If you're not close, it's not God's fault. It's yours. It's mine. Amen. God desires intimate fellowship with us. He loves you so much. He'd rather die than live without you. He proved it on the cross of Calvary. We're the most accountable of any people who've ever lived. We have more access to the word of God, more access to commentaries, more access to, to you know, the word of God, more access to Christian radio, more access to Bible teaching than any generation that's ever lived. So if we're not in the word, that's our fault. Amen. 
I would also say we may be the people with the most distractions of any people who've ever lived. Right? That little, that little computer in your back pocket that's more powerful than the greatest computers on the planet in 1970 is now this thing you carry around that can just distract you. Amen? Our, our youth pastor calls it, uh, what do you call it? Christian crack or digital crack or something like that? Digital crack, right? Because it's so addictive. If you leave your phone at home, you go back and get it. If you leave your Bible at home, you go back and get it. Okay, a little ouch right there. No one said it, but amen. So number one, you're as close to God as you want to be. How much do you have, want to have intimate fellowship with God? And what are the things that sidetrack you? Number two, obedience and intimacy with God is a choice. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Obey God rather than man. Walk closely with other uh, mature believers. So intimacy with God and obedience is a choice. To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. And we're going to see in tonight's text, there's a temptation to obey men rather than God. Number three, it's only possible if you walk, if you walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. See guys, we, I had another, I had a young man call me today. He messengered me on Facebook. I've never met him in my life. It's from the radio. And he just said, Hey, and he had some questions about he's doing all these new things to get closer to God. And I had to remind him, I said, look, look, bro, it's by grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's belief that changes our behavior, not behavior that changes our belief. Can I get an amen to that? And that's why when you read all the epistles, it's always belief first and then behavior second. And so when you try to do better, you know what happens? You become a slave to legalism, right? You become a slave to the law. We talked about this on Sunday. The law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. It cannot save us. If the law could save us, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross, amen? But we need to be reminded, yes, good works are fruit of salvation. They're not the source of salvation. But as we walk in intimate fellowship with God, we can walk in the center of his will again, only if we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It needs to be less of us and more than him. Jesus said of men born among women, there's been none greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. So if the greatest man who ever lived according to Jesus says, there's got to be less of me and more of him, then it's certainly true of all of us. Can I get an amen to that? Number four, real power is found only in the presence of God. It's not military might, worldly influence, or riches that really bring power. The only real power that matters is the power that comes from being in the presence of Almighty God. Hanging out with the creator of the universe, walking in the center of his will, seeking first his kingdom and his glory, being filled with his Holy Spirit, right? That word, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that word for power there is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. Guys, you want to have a life that's filled with the power of God. You got to walk in the fullness of the spirit of God. Amen. And spend time in the presence of God. You guys are here on a Wednesday night when we change the night. You obviously desire to walk in intimate fellowship with the Lord. Number five, while God may use different vessels, all the healing comes from him. He alone deserves all the praise and the glory. If God should choose to use you or use me to minister to somebody else and they want to praise us, we must never allow that to happen. Amen. We're the drill in the hand of the dentist. You hear me use that analogy, right? We don't praise the drill after the dentist, you know, does a root canal and takes the pain away. We thank the dentist. And guys, we're just the tools in the hands of the master. We do not touch the, touch the glory. We give all the praise, the glory, and honor to the Lord. Amen. And then finally, mocking God and his servants comes with heavy 
consequences. The Bible says, do not deceive. God is not mocked. Forever a man sows, that he will also reap. It's good. We're going to see in tonight's text, when you mock a man of God or a woman of God, you're mocking the God that they serve. And God may show grace, but God, you know, he suffers long, but he won't suffer always. And we're going to see tonight that the judgment comes swiftly. So let's begin there. Pursuing intimacy with the Lord. Remember again, if you have a pen, change that first Kings to second Kings so you don't look at it later and get confused. And you know which uh, chapter that's actually outlining. So let's begin there again. Pursuing intimacy with God. You're as close to God as you want to be. And it came to pass, verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now, Elijah, his name is, my God is Yahweh. Elisha means, my God is salvation. Those are two great names. Can I get an amen? And these men, it says there that he was about to be taken up. We don't know exactly when this bit of information became available or through whom, but there's several people that know it. We're going to see as we go through the chapter that they're going to keep telling Elisha, hey, bro, we hear your, uh, you know, your master, the, your, your, the, you know, your prophet that you're hanging out with is leaving. First, they tell him he's going to leave soon. Then we're going to see, hey, we hear he's leaving today. So the word was out that they didn't know, maybe didn't know how it was going to happen, but that he was going to be going to heaven. And so the, the preparation for Elisha is that here's this man that he seeks wisdom from. Here's this man that he looks at. I don't like this word really, but some people use it like mentor, right? So this is a guy that he follows. This is a guy whose life he wants to pattern his life after. And, this, and then he finds out he's going to be leaving. Now keep in mind, again, it was Elijah just in the previous chapter who confronted the king. It was Elijah the chapter before that who confronted the king. It was Elijah a couple chapters before that who confronted the queen. This is a man of God who had moments. Remember he sat under a tree at one point and said, God, just kill me. You guys remember that? I'm done because Jezebel was chasing him. He had weak moments, but you know what? He was a mighty man of God being used mightily by the Lord. And so to find out that Elijah's leaving, it's Eli so what is Elisha going to do? The word is out that he's going to be caught away. And he's not going to be there anymore. Both Elisha and Elisha know that Elijah's departure could take place at any minute. When the Lord's about to take him into a heaven by a whirlwind, apparently, again, this was common knowledge and that a, a, a many people knew that it was imminent. So how are they going to respond? How's Elisha going to respond? How's Elijah going to respond? And I was trying to think of an appropriate um, picture, and he'd be mad at me if I used him, but he's in heaven, so he won't know the difference. But I thought about, you know, Pastor Chuck. You know, the Calvary Chapel movement, people wondered, what's going to happen when Pastor Chuck leaves? And the reality is, Chuck would always say, you know, a, a movement uh, becomes a memorial, and its buildings become monuments once, once we get away from teaching the whole counsel of God without compromise. Amen. And again, while God used Pastor Chuck mightily, we don't worship Pastor Chuck, we worship Jesus Christ. And God is still on the throne, and in the same way that Elijah is going to be removed, Pastor Chuck was removed, and we don't put our faith in men, we put our faith in God. Amen? But at the same time, though, when somebody that you admire, someone who's discipled you and spoken to your life, so you know what that means? That means that you need to come to a place where you've grown up enough, where you spiritually cease to always be the one being discipled, and now you're discipling others. Can I get an amen to that? 
We go from being a ministry to being a minister. And again, it's okay. We should always continue to be ministered to, but we also need to be those who minister to others. So the word was out. Elijah's days are numbered. How are they going to respond? How is this going to be different from Ahaziah when he died? How's it going to be? Verse two. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. So Bethel was about seven miles away from Gilgal. And he's going to leave and go to Bethel. Bethel means house of God, but it's far from it at this point. It's filled with idolatry. And so Elisha hears that Elijah's going to go to Bethel, that he's going to travel this seven miles, and he discourages him and says, just stay home. Now watch what Elisha does. As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Elisha is saying, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to hang out with you until God takes you away. I want to learn as much as I can. I want to grow as much as I can. I want to spend time within your presence because God is using you to speak to me. Now, keep in mind in those days, you know, they didn't have a Bible bookstore. <laughs> Amen. Didn't have any Christian radio. There was no, con so how did they hear the word of God from prophets of God? Amen. And so Elijah was his source of, of, you know, hearing from the Lord. Now he could hear himself, but here's a man who's ministering to him. And so it'd be so easy, but he knows that Elijah's time is limited. And he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm hanging on to you. I'm going to stay by you until God takes you away. And guys, the good news for us is we now have the word of God. We now have access to the word of God being taught. And we should never allow anything the world threatens us with to keep us from holding tightly to the Lord and his word. Amen. No matter what the world says, they can outlaw, they can deny it. They can tell us to keep us up, keep it off the school campus. They can tell us to keep it out of the workplace. They can tell us not to talk about, you know, uh, religion and politics. Yeah, they can keep politics. Well, I'm going to talk about Jesus every chance I get. And they should never be able to shut us up. Amen. For the definition of a fanatic is someone, he, you can't change his mind and he won't change the subject. <laughs> Amen? And that was the Apostle Paul, starting revivals and riots everywhere he went. Guys, we should be having more discussions about the Lord than about what the Rams or Lakers or, or, or the stock market or whatever else is doing. And those things are okay to a certain degree. But guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. We need to be hanging on to the Lord with both hands. Amen? and been spending time in his word, seeking his presence. So he tells him, just stay here. He said, I'm not going to. Nope, I'm hanging out with you. I'm not gonna stay here in Gilgal. He seemed to be testing the devotion of Elisha. Knowing that Elijah would soon depart, Elisha wanted to stay as close as possible to his spiritual leader, his mentor. How serious are you? We're going to see there will be a connection with how long Elisha can keep up with Elijah and the kind of blessing that will be in his life after Elijah is gone. See, the longer he stays and continues to be fed spiritually and grows spiritually, the greater the blessing will be in the end. If he had bailed out at this point because he knew he was going to die and just was depressed or discouraged or allowed the consequences of life or the things going on around him to abandon what God had called him to do, he would have missed out on God's highest. And the same thing can happen to us. What does it take to get you sidetracked? 
How bad do you want God's work in your life? How bad do you want to be used by the Lord? How desperate are you to be as close to the Lord as possible? And how easily do you get sidetracked? Well, we had a lot of people get sidetracked by COVID. And again, if you're in that range where you could, it could kill, you know what? Watch online. God bless you. We love you. We're not judging you. But let me tell you this much. I'd rather be here and die and go to heaven because of COVID than be fearful and stay at home and stop preaching the gospel and let the enemy win. Can I get an amen to that? And so here's the reality. And again, everybody's got different circumstances and I get it. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you what my personal conviction is. And you know what? I don't believe that COVID changed the church. It just revealed where the church is. Amen. And so Lord, help us. But here he is. He's like, I'm hanging on to you. I don't care where you go. I'm going with you. And I'm traveling about those seven miles uphill. I'm going. It's filled with pagan idolatry. It doesn't matter. I'm going with you. You guys, Lord, Lord, wherever you want me to go, Lord, I'm going with you. Lord, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Lord, you want me to go plant a church in China? I'm in. I'll buy plane tickets today, right? When you have that heart, we're ready to serve God with reckless abandon. Amen. I'm ready to serve you with my whole heart, no matter what happens. People who were interested in following Jesus had a lot of excuses for not following anymore. And Matthew talks about another disciple said to him, let me go first bury my, mom, my father. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. That seems kind of harsh, but it's eternal. Can I get an amen to that? If your dad's gone, or in this case, he said, I want to go home and wait till my dad dies. It might be five years. And after he dies, then I'll come follow you. Guys, we love our parents, but we better love Jesus more. Amen. We love our kids. We better love Jesus more. And you know what? When I love Jesus more, I'm a better father, a better husband, a better papa, a better, a better sales guy, a better, a better neighbor. Can I get an amen to that? So seeking first the kingdom of God. And he knew that his time was short and because of it, he wanted to be close to him. You are as close to the Lord as you want to be. What choices are you making, if any, that are keeping you from intimate fellowship with the Lord? Maybe it's a relationship that isn't honoring to God. Maybe it's a form of entertainment that doesn't honor the Lord and takes your eyes off of him. Maybe it's a pursuit of a career to the point where you have no time for the Lord. Guys, if you have no time for the Lord, you need to readjust your priorities. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Too busy. I'm too busy to serve God. I'm too tired. Take a nap and get up and serve God. Can I get an amen? I'm too old. Does this look like black hair or gray hair up here? Can I get an amen? We're never, as long as we're breathing in and out, it's not too late to be used by God. Amen. So I want to encourage you. And he had a heart like Elijah, dude, I'm, I'm going where you go. Wherever you're going, I'm going to be there. When God takes you away, I'm going to stand right next to you. I want to be a part of it. This so reminded me of when my dad went to heaven in 2017. I've told you guys this story before. I went out and got in my car. I was getting ready to leave. My dad at the end had dementia and was blind. My dad had been married to my mom 60 years. My dad was a pastor for 60 years. And I was backing my car out to go back to the airport. He lived in Hawaii at the time. And I was flying back and forth every, every month to see my dad. And as I was backing out to go to the airport, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit, go back in and talk to your dad and tell him how much he means to you. My wife videotaped it. I got on a knee. I looked my dad in the face. And for an hour, I just told my dad what a blessing he is in my life. And then my dad encouraged and ministered to me. And that was the last time I saw my dad. Got in my car. I went home. I got a call three weeks later. My dad was in heaven and heaven's better. Can I get an amen? But the point is, 
I think of Elisha, I think it's kind of that way. I mean, I knew this might be the last time I get to see my dad and I really want to make sure he knows how much I love him. But I also want to allow God to use him to minister to me yet again as he's been doing his entire life. And I believe Elisha's kind of in that same place, knowing that if Elijah leaves, probably going to be left to me. And what am I going to do? And there's Elisha's heart. Verse three says there now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So we heard already that the word was out. He was going. Now the, these young prophets, now it's a school of prophets, so kind of like a seminary or a Bible college. There are these young men in Bethel in a place that's filled with pagan idolatry that come out and they say to him, hey, Elijah's going today, man. Now, again, we don't know how they all know this, but obviously God showed them somehow because they certainly all knew. And we're going to find out that it's accurate. And we're going to see how he responds. What does he say at the end of that verse? Yes, I know. Keep silent. Basically what he says, yeah, I know. Shut up. Take it to shutty town. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because he knows that Elijah's leaving soon, that as someone who loves Elijah, someone who is growing in his, because of his relationship and God's using this man mightily in his life, the last thing he wants to hear is that he, look, I don't even want to think about that right now. I just want to spend time with him until he goes. And after he's gone, then I'll worry about it. But until he goes, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear it. I want to spend time with him. And again, that's how we ought to be in our relationship with the Lord. He wanted to take a full advantage of the little time he had left with Elijah. He didn't want to waste time talking about what he knew was imminent while Elijah was still here. And we too should live every day with a sense of urgency. Our life and our time here is but a vapor. And when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. May we live every day as if he was coming back tomorrow. Amen. If Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would you do different stuff tonight? We do different stuff in the morning. Let's make them the priority. So point number one, you're as close to God as you want to be. How much do you want an intimate fellowship with God? Look at Elisha. I'm hanging on. I'm not going. I don't care where you go. I'm going with you. That picture there, right? I'm staying. Whatever battle I might have to fight, I'm with you. I don't care what people say. I know you're going to leave. I'm, I'm with you. I'm staying with you. Guys, that should be our heart with the Lord. My prayer should be, my prayer is this, that you wake up in the morning thinking about Jesus, you spend your day thinking about and talking to Jesus and spending time in his word and you go to bed at night thinking about Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Begin, spend and end your day with the Lord. Point number two, obedience and intimacy with God is a choice. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. So he went to Bethel. And now he's going to go to Jericho. Well, the first one was seven miles away. Jericho is 14 miles away. So it's a much long, it's not 14 miles in your car. We have people stopped going to our church because we moved eight miles from Calabasas and they all have vehicles. Can I get an amen to that? So this is a 14 mile walk and it's a 14 mile trek. And Jericho is elevated, so more than likely uphill. And so he says, I'm going to Jericho. You just stay here and rest. Sit back and watch Netflix. You don't need to be all that involved. You don't need to get out of your comfort zone. You don't need to put yourself to exhaustion. Look what he says there. I love his response. But he said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. He was willing to walk with Elijah and no matter where he went, 
Because Elijah was the one that God was using to speak into his life. He wanted to hold on to whatever time he had left. He was not going to allow physical difficulty or a lack of sleep or whatever else to get in the way of him doing what God had called him to do. He has a passion to follow the one who God is using to speak into his life. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, did you know? that the Lord will take away your master from over you today. So he answered, yes, I know. Shut up. <laughs> Faster than paraphrase. Really? You've been talking to the people from the place I just left. Everywhere he goes, he's being reminded. Uh, Elijah's out of here soon, bro. And no, his whole heart is, well, then I want to spend more time with him. I want to be ministered to by him. I'm going to park my car before I go to the airport and go back in and get another hour with my dad. I want to spend time. And again, he's not worshiping Elijah, but Elijah is the man that God is using to speak into his life and to minister to him. He also doesn't want to miss how Elijah's life is going to end. And it's a good thing that he, he would have missed out big time. If you've read the Bible, can I get an amen? What's about to happen here in a few verses is supernatural and miraculous. And he would have missed it if he had just gone on home. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. And then they tell him, you know, he's going today, right? It's amazing. That's one of the many questions, you know, I'll be in heaven about a thousand years before I get it. But at some point I'm going to say, now, can, what happened there? How did they all know? Because nobody, I, it doesn't say it anywhere in the Bible, how they know. God obviously spoke to them somehow. So they knew that he was leaving. God had made it clear to them and he was not going to leave until the Lord took Elijah away. He was not going to leave his side. And Elijah continues to test the devotion of Elisha, and Elisha continues to stay with him, anticipating that he will depart any time. Elijah knew that God had a dramatic plan for the end of his earthly life, yet he willingly is going to go as we're going to see him. He keeps going from city to city to city. The next place he's going to go is to the Jordan, and he's literally out in the wilderness. And he knows that God's going to do something supernatural to take him home. And most people, if they were full of themselves, would say, well, let's go find where we can get the biggest crowd to watch this when I, when I get, go up to heaven. Let's get everybody around and they can watch me. Let's see what God's going to do. And they're going to be blown away by what God... That's not him at all. He doesn't care about being popular with men. He doesn't care about making a name for himself. He just, he's, he's going to be out in the wilderness. Just, it's between me and God and a few other people that will be nearby. Obedience and intimacy with God is a choice. Verse 7 and 50 men he said, I will not leave. Oh, but what, verse 6, excuse me. He said, then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So Elijah continues to give him an opportunity, in a sense, continues to uh, challenge him to see if he will continue to be steadfast as a man of faith, walking with him. It says, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now here, this is interesting. So here they are standing by the Jordan river, the two of them by themselves and 50 guys are standing way back at a distance watching from far away. 
And boy, that's a picture of a lot of the church. Some people want to be as close to God as possible, and some just, hey, as long as I can see it from here, I'm all right. As long as I, you know, have a distant relationship with the Lord, I'm good with it. As long as I got the get out of hell free card in my wallet, I'm okay. I don't mind being lukewarm. As long as I have a saved soul, I don't really care if I have a wasted life. No one would ever use that terminology, but the sad thing is much of the church does. And I've heard this description of the church. It's like a football game. You got 80,000 people watching and 22 people down there beating each other to death, right? And the reality is a lot of times that's what happened. We sit back and, and, and here's what happens. It's not with our church because you wouldn't be here if this is the case, but a lot of times people shop for churches, I meet people. I met another person. I was out walking our dog and I was, ran into another lady walking her dog. We started talking about the Lord. Well, I'm searching for a church. What are you looking for in a church? Well, they got to have, got to have wonderful music and then they got to have this and they got to have that. And you know, the church needs to start at a time that's convenient for us. And then we need this and then we need this and then we need this. So basically you're a consumer looking to be served. You're not looking to serve anyone else, right? Amen. You're not shopping for a hotel. <laughs> You're looking for a family to be involved with and to serve the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And again, you wouldn't be, if you were looking for all those things, you, got, you can get in that stuff here. Can I get an amen to that? We meet outside, even if it's cold, amen? It's okay though, because the church is not a building, it's the people. So these 50 men, you compare them with Elisha, they're willing to stand off at a distance and Elisha wants to be as close as he can. Which one describes you? How close do you want to get to the Lord? Pay attention to what happens in each set of these lives as we finish up the chapter. We're going to see the difference between Elisha, who wants to be as close as possible, and the 50 that are satisfied being, you know, eyesight away. Now, Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and it divided this way and that. So the two men crossed over on dry ground. Man, I love this. He takes his mantle. Mantle's basically like a coat with no arms. You know, it's like almost like a big vest. It's heavy. And it also represents your authority. And he took the mantle off. He rolled it up and he hits the Jordan River with it. And the water parts and they walk through on dry land. Uh, the 50 guys walk, that are way back there, they missed that. Can I get an amen? They didn't get to see the water part. If they could, they didn't have a very good view of it. And they certainly didn't get to walk through on dry land. Amen. Guys, I don't want to be so far away that I miss. I want to be on the front row with Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? I want to be right where he wants me to be, doing what he wants me to be doing for his kingdom and for his glory, not satisfied with, you know, living up in the cheap seats. Amen? The Jordan was once again parted the first time since Joshua did it. And the two prophets walk across on dry ground. And I wonder how close it was to Joshua's crossing. Remember when Joshua passed over? Remember they had to put their foot in the water before it would part? And do you remember that he built an altar in the middle of the river? I think it'd be pretty awesome. It doesn't say here. I wonder if, you know, that opened up and there's the altar in the middle of the river from when Joshua passed through. But notice again, that men of faith, God's leading them. God's parting seas for them if necessary. God's got his hand on them. And those who are so caught up in the world and those who are, who are, uh, too lazy or too uninterested to be near, miss out. And I feel like that's how it is with so many Christians. You're just missing out on God's highest. You're missing out on what it could be like if you would just give everything to the Lord. Guys, if, there's, if you give everything to the Lord, you'll never regret it. Amen? Well, if I give, I have coworkers, well, if I get saved, man, if I give my life to Jesus, I can't drink whiskey anymore. 
Okay. So you want to go to hell for whiskey? Well, that's not very nice. Well, okay, wait, wait a minute. You just told me whiskey is your God. Well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You just said it. Can I get an amen to that? What is your God? What is that thing that you're afraid of letting go of? Guys, whatever you let go of to grab a hold of the Lord, you will never regret it. Amen? It's always worth it. And sadly, we have those that are at this distance and they're missing out. It was a unique miracle as they walked in the steps of Moses and Joshua as ones who God had used miraculously to part water, right? The Red Sea was parted with Moses. The Jordan was parted with Joshua. It's parted again. And guys, it's so sad. Just like those who, you know, were afraid of the Red Sea, God parted it. And then the ones who didn't want to cross over the Jordan, they missed out on it. And so too, these 50 that are at distance and all those who were not walking close to the Lord missed out on God's highest. Guys, we should never be satisfied with a lukewarm walk. So you're as close to God as you want to be. Obedience and intimacy with God is a choice. Again, I'm showing this picture of he's hanging on to where God is. He knows wherever Elijah is, that he's God's man. And he wants to be wherever the Lord is going to speak to Elijah. He wants to be there. He wants to be where the one can minister to him. Only possible if you walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Now, He's saying the prophet of God, the man of God, with the spirit of God upon him, says to Elisha, ask me for anything. What can I give you before I depart? If you're walking in the flesh, I want a new house with a swimming pool. I want, uh, I want to be powerful. I want to have a huge following. I want to be rich. I want to be wise. All the things that the world seeks after. By the way, it's tragic. I, I just saw this. The three richest people in America have all gotten divorced in the last few months. How's that working out? You know, there's no amount of money that can save a marriage that doesn't focus on Christ. Can I get an amen to that? See, all the things that we think are important, it's all, it's all wood, hay, and stubble. We're fighting over deck chairs in the Titanic. Amen? The, the ship's going down, right? Well, my deck chair's nicer than yours, dude. I'm on a life raft. Can I get an amen to that? And the reality is that it's just so tragic and so sad. And he, so he says to him, what do you want? And this is going to reveal Elisha's heart. And don't say it out loud, but what would you ask for? Really, seriously, if, if nobody else knew and, and God came to you and said, I'll give you anything you want. Would you ask for what he's about to ask for? Look what he says here. I love this. Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. You know what I want, Elisha? Elijah says to, Elisha says to Elijah, Elijah, I just want the Holy Spirit that's upon you to be upon me. Now, when he's asking a double portion, if you go to the culture and the time, the double portion was something that was always given to the oldest son. If you had three boys and you were, you know, there was a will, it would divide, be divided in four parts and the oldest son would get double and the younger two would just get a single amount. So basically what he's asking is, I want the inheritance that a son would be given from you. I've seen how God uses you because the spirit of God is upon you. I want that same spirit upon me. And you know what? When we look at somebody being used mildly by God, the only difference between you and them, but usually is, guys, it's because they're walking in the spirit and we may not be. Can I get an amen to that? So, Guys, we can ask for that same Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. The same Holy Spirit that was in Elijah lives in us. Amen? 
And we want to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Please let that double portion. Elisha saw how greatly the Spirit of God worked through Elijah, and he wanted the same for himself. He didn't want to be powerful. He didn't want to be well-known. He didn't want to have a great army. He didn't want to be a king. He just wanted to be used by God for God's glory. Lord, just use me. Lord, if you'll use me, that would be the best thing ever. And I would pray that that would hopefully be the heart of every one of us in here. Amen? That if we could be given anything, Lord, just use me mightily for your kingdom and for your glory. That's what matters. When, you, when no one, I've, I've prayed with people. I've been on deathbeds with people. I've never had anybody say, I wish I'd worked more. I wish I'd, you know, gardened more. I wish I'd done this or that or whatever. And you know what they always say? I wish I'd spent more time serving God and more time with my family. It's always the same two things when someone's a believer. And guys, we have time to do that. We need to do it now. So the double portion, without the Holy Spirit empowering us, any ministry we endeavor in or undertake will be fruitless. If you do it in your own strength, it's a waste of time. Again, without the Holy Spirit, without the word of God, let's put horns on the wall and call it the Elks Club because it's not a church. Amen? And too many people have programmed the Lord right out of the building. I can't remember who said, I think it might have been Tozer. Someone said, if you take... If you, know, if you took the Holy Spirit out of the church 100 years ago, everybody would know it, or in the first century, everybody would know it and everything would change. If you took the Holy Spirit out of most churches today, no one would know it and very little would change because we programmed the Holy Spirit right out of the building. We've got all these programs. We've got all this stuff we're doing. We've got, you know, we got the flying Walendas. We've got, we got the petting zoo out back and we, we're blowing smoke off the worship team and we're, you know, we're doing sermonettes for Christianettes. And we're doing things to make sure no one gets affected, no one gets offended. And we've dialed down the word of God so we keep people comfortable on their way to hell and we're entertaining a huge group and we have a huge budget and all of it's chaff. Amen? And his exhortation here is... I, I just want, can I have the Holy Spirit? The way the Holy Spirit is in you, can I have that? I've seen how God works in you. Can I, can I have that? And that's the heart that we should all have. Now look what he says here in verse 10. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be. Now, now he really wants to see what's going to happen. Can I get an amen? He's been following him and now he says, when I go away, if you can see me, then God's granted what you've asked for. If you can't see me, it's mean it hasn't been given to you. So now even more, he is going to want to see what God does as Elijah again uh, moves to heaven. You know, persevere for short-term blessings. I think there are times when our walk seems dry and powerless and we need to learn to press in and hold on to the Lord. But we need to persevere for the long term. It says in Philippians, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's a verse we should all memorize. Can I get an amen to that? Here's my priority. Here's my passion. I'm leaving all the stuff that's behind. I'm, I'm setting aside all the stuff that's temporary and I'm pressing on to the kingdom of God and I'm seeking first his kingdom and his will and I'm holding steadfast to the things of God. Elisha persevered in holding on to Elijah. He did not walk away. His devotion was being tested. If Elisha would remain, he would receive the blessing. And too many Christians have missed out on God's highest, on God's calling because they were unwilling to hold on to the Lord to surrender fully to him, to persevere pursuing uh, the Lord, his will, his spirit. 
his gifting, his calling. May we never be satisfied with less than God's highest. It's my prayer every day. Lord, I don't want anything less than your highest. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I don't want to miss it. Again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Verse 11, then it happened. As they continued on and talked, I wonder what they were talking about. When I read chapters like this, I mean, I get it for 25 hours. You get it for an hour. I take every piece apart. And just imagine they're walking along. He knows Elijah's leaving. And Elijah's speaking into his life. And what is he telling him? But that's where he needs to be. And again, he didn't have access to the word of God the way that we do. And Elijah was this man that God had used to speak into his life. And he just wanted to, to talk to him and learn. I thought of the you know, the Lord, when he was walking on the road to Emmaus and how their hearts burned as he explained to them who he was from the Old Testament, said that suddenly as they're walking and talking, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. They're walking along and talking. And in a moment, Elijah's gone. And it's not by, it doesn't surprise me that it was fire. Does it surprise you? Because what did he call down when they, remember, right? When the prophets of Baal, he prayed. And what did God bring? Fire. And fire in the Bible often is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts, upon them were tongues of a fire, right? And so the fire comes down. He's walking along with them. And in a moment, he's gone. Heaven snatched him away. And Elijah is not complaining. Can I get an amen to that? He's, He's in heaven. Now, again, for the people going to heaven, it's always better for them and it can be harder for us. We miss them. I miss my mom and dad greatly. I think about them daily. I have tears of my eyes over them often, but at the same time, I'm so glad they are where they are. Amen. Because heaven is better. Amen. And Elijah was sitting under a tree saying, God, kill me. God only, not only didn't answer that prayer that he prayed, don't kill me. He says, I'm never going to kill you. Can I get an amen? I'm not going to let you die. I'm just going to take you to heaven. How about that? Aren't you glad that God, there's some prayers you pray and God says no, because he knows what's best for you. Amen. So here's Elijah. He went up into heaven. Now point number four there, real power found only in the presence of God. Look what it says. And Elisha, what? Saw it. So what does that mean? that the Holy Spirit in a double portion is coming upon him. Amen. He told him, if you see it, you'll know. Now you would think when Elisha saw him, Elijah going up into heaven, he'd be doing backflips. Sweet, got double the portion of the Holy Spirit. Now he didn't do that. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. And this shows you his love and his heart. He said, he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen, So he saw him no more and he took a hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. You know what? He was blessed that he could see it and he knew that God was going to bless him, but he still grieved that he was not going to be able to walk with Elijah anymore until he gets to heaven. And again, we see that throughout scripture. It's not, we grieve, but not as those without hope. You know, Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. We do weep when people die, but the good news is that we're going to see them again if they know the Lord. Amen. And here he is, and instead of thinking about himself, he's heartbroken that the one who is dear to him, you notice he refers to, he's actually referring to Elijah as the chariot of fire. The angels came and picked him up 
And it says in uh, Psalm 104, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. But you know what? He's recognizing that Elijah was the one who was the, the, the conscience of Israel. He was the defense of Israel. He was one of the few, even though God corrected him, but he was one of the few that was standing for the things of God when nobody else would. When they were bringing idols in and worshiping the false gods, he was kicking idols down. When the prophets of Baal were running rapid, he challenged them. We saw the power of God in his presence. And so his point was not that we lost a great man, but we lost a man that was being used greatly by God. Amen? If you were to die today, how would they describe you? I'm not really all that worried about, you know, people are like, I'm worried about what it says. I'm like, I'm going to be in heaven. I ain't worried about it. You can write whatever you want. I told my wife, put me in a hefty bag, leave me on the curb, I'm good. <laughs> a U-Haul box being better because I'm just moving. Can I get an amen? So I don't care. Some people, I want to leave a great life. I'm not that worried about it. What I want to do, but at the same time, don't you want to live a life that is remembered for every, above all else, that you love Jesus, amen? And that you, you love God and you love people. What, what is the commandment? What is the greatest commandment? To love God and love people, Amen. And God's called us to do that. And that's what would hopefully be our heart. So notice what happened. So he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where, and when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Now, this is amazing because, first of all, he goes up and picks up the mantle knowing that it's a blessing to be used by God, but it can also be a challenge to make a stand for God because Elijah's life was not always easy. Can I get an amen to that? He spent time in the wilderness. He spent time having his life threatened. Elisha had seen from the front row some of the things that Elijah went through. He goes and picks up the mantle, and when he puts it on, he knows it comes with the blessing of God, but also going to come with the trials of life. And guys, when we go to serve the Lord, it doesn't mean we're going to be on the cruise ship to heaven. The Bible describes it as a, more as a battleship anchored at the gates of hell. We're entering into a spiritual battle, but if God is for us, who can be against us? And there's nothing, you've got to think I've lost my mind. I love when I get spiritually attacked because I know God's going to do something great. Can I get an amen to that? Bring it. That just gets me excited. Amen? Because Satan's resources are limited. If he spends some of his time on me, God's going to do some good stuff. Guys, we don't have to be afraid of that. Amen? Our God is greater than any obstacle we may fight. See, he throws the mantle on. Now watch this. He's going to find out immediately if the Spirit truly is on him. Because he does the same thing that Elijah just did. And guess what? He gets the same result. Amen? He takes the mantle, he hits the water with it. What does the water do? It parts. He finds out right away, God's with me. I couldn't have done that. God did it. To God be all the glory and praise God for it. The mantle is a picture of authority and power, but also of trials and persecution. And again, the real power is not in mantles or chariots, but it's in the presence of God. Real power found, verse 12, there only in the presence of God. Notice he calls him my father. He saw Elijah as his father in the faith, as a man that poured his life into him. And he, he looked up to him as a dad and said, you know, this is the guy that's taught me and now he's going away. I'm, I'm, I'm in a unique situation because my dad was both my earthly father and my spiritual father in a lot of ways. 
He taught me what it meant to be a, a man, a husband, a father, to work hard, to be a, a pastor, all of that. And I'm thankful for it. I don't know if some of you know this. I went to plant a church in Santa Cruz. My dad was pastoring a large church. He left to come be my assistant pastor, set up chairs and make coffee and hold up my hands. I was, I was blown away because my dad was the best Bible teacher I've ever heard in my life. And he's, he's setting up chairs so his son can, can teach the Bible. Talk about humility. And that just taught me so much. He just had the heart to serve the Lord and to hold up my hands. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But you know what? A lot of us, we have those people in our life, but the focus needs to be on God. The miracle was not accomplished because of the magic mantle, but because of the God of Elijah. Oh man, this coat's pretty sweet. Did you see what that just happened right there? He put the coat down, I put it down. It's a magic coat. No, it's got nothing to do with the coat. It's got everything to do with God. Can I get an amen to that? We want to, we want to put it on some prayer we prayed. Oh, pray this prayer and God will... Stop it. You know... First of all, prayers written down. Oh, read this prayer 57 times. Do not pray with vain repetition. If my kids came to me, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, no. Can I get an amen? If they just kept saying the same thing all over, and they do, don't they? Can I, can I, can I, can I, no, stop. You know what? They come sit in your lap and say, dad, I love you. And dad, here's my heart. Are you going to listen? Is God going to, re- are you going to respond to that better? And that's what we need to do with the Lord. Amen. We don't wear them out by praying with vain repetition. Amen. We come to them humbly and speak to them as our Abba Father. Sometimes we're enamored with programs. And the truth is, it's not programs. It's the Lord. It's always the Lord. It was one thing to cross the Jordan with Elijah, but quite another to step out in faith himself. When you trust in the Lord God of Elijah, you don't need Elijah anymore. Can I get an amen to that? Don't take this wrong. I love Pastor Chuck love Pastor Chuck. And if you, you know, I mean, just taught the word simply. When I was a little kid, I went to uh, school there at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. He was our substitute teacher a couple of times. And I just loved, he said, everybody's Papa. We called him Papa Chuck for a reason. But you know what? He'd be the first one to tell you, we don't need him because we have the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Even though we love people and the way they've ministered to us, it's not them. It's the Lord that matters. Amen. He's still faithful. He's still on the throne. He's a gracious God. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and don't put our eyes on men. You know, back there in earlier verse, he said, he said, where's the God of Elijah? You know, part of what he could have been saying there is, you know, it's a great question to ask. Where's the God who kept Elijah faithful the whole time in the nation when it was falling apart? Where's the the God of Elijah who, who mightily answered Elijah's prayer? Where is the God who provided miraculously for Elijah when he was out in the wilderness having ravens feed him? Where is the God who helped who used Elijah to raise someone from the dead? Where is the God who answers prayer by sending fire for heaven? Where's that God that Elijah talked to? Where's he? And that's what he's asking. Where's the God of Elijah? Not where is Elijah? Where's the God of Elijah? Guys, we serve the same God. Where is the God who encouraged a discouraged prophet? Where is the God who carried Elijah to heaven? Elisha, I'm going to need the power and presence of that God if I'm going to be able to carry on his ministry. I can't just go out and do the same things he did if I'm not walking in the same Holy Spirit, in the same power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can't just go mimic the way somebody does something and do it in your own strength and expect it to be fruitful. That doesn't work. It must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's where all the power comes from. So he struck the water, he divided, he wasted no time, 
And I love his heart. Verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw it, they said, the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed on the ground before him. You know, when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and called and gifted by God, other people notice. Can I get an amen to that? It's obvious. You know, when you meet somebody who loves the Lord, is on fire for God, you can spend 30 seconds with them and go, blood is thicker than water, Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. Can I get an amen to that? When you meet someone who has a relationship with the Lord, when they're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you know, if you have to prop somebody up and if they have to give you a resume of all the great things they've done for God, uh, they're not doing that great for God. Can I get an amen? But those who just live for the Lord, it's obvious, it's evident. You have the Holy Spirit in common. And they saw, they saw Elisha and they said, God's hands on him, just like he was on Elijah. And God's going to use him in a mighty, in a powerful way. Now watch this. Verse 16, then they said to him, look, now there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. Lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or in some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. Those 50 guys are a little too far away. They weren't hanging out right there where God showed up in a powerful way. Hey, we saw him go up. Maybe he got dropped off somewhere. Maybe he fell down in some mountain. Let's go find him. And, he, and, and Elijah's going, you don't need to send anybody. What are you talking about? Again, if we're not in God's presence, we misinterpret what God's doing. Amen? We think that we have answers. We're looking for things in the wrong places. And look what happens. But he urged him, verse 17, till he was ashamed. And he said, okay, send them. Therefore, they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but they did not find him. Duh. He's in heaven. Amen. But again, those who were far off at a distance missed out what God had done. They completely missed out how God had brought him into heaven. They completely missed out on the power of the Holy Spirit. They completely missed out on seeing what God had done in Elisha's life and how God had used him to part the river and how God's hand was upon him. And they missed it all because they were off at a distance and they're out in the hills looking for someone who's already in heaven. Point number five, while God may use different vessels, all healing comes from him. Well, verse 18, excuse me. And he said there, and they came back to him for he had stayed in Jericho. And he said to them, did I not say that do not go? I told you so. What were you thinking, man? I'll let you go because you just were so bent to go do it. So you went and did it. How'd that work out for you? Not too good. Last two points. While God may use many different vessels, all healing comes from him. Look at verse 19. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water for it shall, no, shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elijah, which he spoke. So did the salt fix the water? What's the answer? No, it was the Lord who fixed it. Amen. And you know, you'll see this throughout scripture that God will heal people in different ways because if he always healed them the same, then we'd have a bunch of people walking around with bags of salt that's are, that are anointed by God for a thousand dollar seed offering. Can I get amen? And what happens is we don't, we don't pursue the method. We pursue the savior. Amen. 
But they notice that they recognize that God's hands upon Elisha, that they bring to him the fact that the water is bitter in their city. And what does Elisha do? He no doubt listens to the Lord and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He does what God tells him to do. The water is cleansed and then he gives God all the glory. Did you notice that? He doesn't, you know, want to build a throne for himself. He doesn't want something to be named after him. What does he do? He points to the Lord. He gives God all the glory. And again, I love his heart. Let's finish up. We may not have a lot of time for questions, but we can stay a few minutes after because where are you going? Can I get an amen? Now watch what happens here. This is a gnarly text. And when I was a youth pastor, I got to admit, I'd pull this out of, the, out of the habit every once in a while. Watch what happens. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And he was going up the road and some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Can't you just see the youth group coming down mocking the prophet? Now here he is, he's walking along. Now you need to know that in Bethel, it means house of God. But at that time, it was filled with pagan idolatry. And in its context, what happened is they come down, they see Elisha walking along. And when they're saying go up, they're basically saying, why don't you catch a chariot up to heaven, bald head? And we know he lives another 50 years, so it's not bald because he's old. He just lost his hair. And they're mocking him. Go up, bald head. Now watch what happens to the youth group. Now again, when it says young people, the same word is used for, for uh, like Joshua when he's 39. It, you know, somebody can be in their 20s or 30s. It doesn't mean they're 12 years old. But watch what happens. They come out, these young men, and they're mocking the prophet of God. And watch what happens as we finish. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled the youth group and mauled 42 of the youths. Now notice he didn't call out for bears. He just, he gave it to the Lord. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And he let the Lord bring the judgment. And, and the Lord brought bears out of the woods to go after these guys, not mauled them. We don't know if they were killed. The word mauled there means injured. They, they may or may not have died. Probably most of them did not. But I think God got the point across. What do you think? You're mocking the man of God who's being used mightily by God and God doesn't like, how do you feel when someone picks on your kids? Amen. I see a whole nother side of you, some of you very docile moms in this room. If someone picked on one of your kids, you'd be fighting Mike Tyson if you had to. Can I get an amen to that? And what it is, is that, you know, we love them supernaturally. Isn't it good to know that the Lord loves you supernaturally? That he loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Now, sometimes he's going to allow us to go through the suffering that he might be glorified. But we need to know that he is for us. Amen? That he's praying for us. And then when it says there, and he went from there to Mount Carmel, from there he returned to Samaria. Now, in mocking the prophet of God, they were mocking God. They were mocking his name. And again, it says in, in Proverbs 26, like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Again, so he turned around, he looked at them, and God sent heavy consequences. Now, our hearts should be to see people saved, to see people redeemed, to see people forgiven. But we need to let people know that sin has consequences. Amen? And when people attack and again, I want to say this too. Don't ever say, when someone attacks you, don't ever say, don't touch the Lord's anointed because that's nauseating. Can I get an amen to that? See these people on TV, well, I'm anointed. Well, if you were, you wouldn't have to tell me. Can I get an amen to that? 
But the reality is, though, that God is a faithful God and he protects us. He loves us. He does his best for us. But you know what? If the Lord allows us to be, you know, Paul was thrown in prison. Look at all the apostles. Show me some of the Bible used mightily. I'll show you somebody suffered greatly. Can I get an amen to that? So suffering is a, is a get to not a have to for the kingdom of God. It's but light affliction when compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. For so they did to the prophets who went before you. So at the same time, though, you'll notice that there are times when God steps in and God protects his children because he's not done with them. He went to Mount Carmel. I love that he went to Mount Carmel because what did Elijah do on Mount Carmel? That's where he called fire down with the prophets of Baal. And then he went to Samaria, and that's the capital of Israel. And he's going there, and God is going to use him. So you got to come back for the coming chapters to see how God uses Elisha. So pursuing intimacy with the Lord, you're as close to God as you want to be. Elisha held on because he wanted to be as close to Elijah because was, Elijah was the one that God used to speak into his life. Obedience and intimacy with God is a choice. He was told repeatedly just to go away, and he wasn't going to. Where else am I going to go? Who else has the words? Well, we would say, who else has the words of eternal life? We go to the Lord and nowhere else. It's only possible for filled with the Holy Spirit. When he said, what, I'll give you anything. What did he ask for? Not money, not riches, not fame, not wisdom. I want the Holy Spirit. Guys, that should be our cry daily. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Real power found only in the presence of God. Again, not in might or worldly riches. And while God may use different vessels, all healing comes from him. And mocking God as his, and his servants comes with heavy consequences. We're about four or five minutes early. So are there any questions or comments about tonight's text? Anybody at all? Pastor Tim. I do. I do because God gave him. Because what in the Old Testament, you'll see this, like David said, take not the Holy Spirit from me, right? And the Holy Spirit, like today for us, as soon as when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he never leaves you. Amen. But you'll see examples in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit will come upon somebody and then out for a specific task. But obviously he's asked for a double portion of what was given to Elijah, right? And God pours out his Holy Spirit upon him to accomplish the task of being the prophet of Israel. And so I do believe, you know, God only knows, but I do believe, yeah. You had a question? Uh, how do you know or measure or confirm that you have given everything to God? You know, I think the only way we can do that is walking in intimate fellowship with him and having him examine my heart every single day. And what I mean by that is like, Lord, is there anything in me? Show me. You know what I mean? Show me. Is there anything in me that I have, that I'm, I'm holding on to? Is there anything in my life that's more important than you? Lord, show me. And you know what? He, he answers that prayer, at least when I pray it. He shows me. And there are times when I allow things in my life to become more important than the Lord. And a lot of it too is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can tell by how you invest your time and your talents and your gifting. And, and if you're investing most of it in things other than the Lord. And again, we need to get up and go to work every day, right? We need to honor God. And we should, we're called to be salt and light. We should be the best workers in the building. But our job shouldn't be more important than Jesus, right? My grandkids man, I love them so much. I can hardly stand it. I mean, I just can't hardly stand it, but I need to love them, love Jesus more. Amen. And you know what? The best thing I can do for my wife is love Jesus more than I love her. Because if I love Jesus more than I love her, I'm going to be a better husband. 
and I'm going to serve her and lay down my life for her. So it's hard. I know I don't have, that's not a real clear answer, but for me, it's just every day, like, Lord, if there's anything in my life that I'm making more important than you. And you know, a lot of it will be real practical. Yeah, I was going to go to church, but the, but the ball game's on. So I'm going to do that instead, right? So at least for that two and a half hours, and I'm not trying to be a legalist, right? You come because you want to, but, but and I'm not trying to be a legalist because, right, we're not trying to earn heaven. But I found that when I was courting my wife, I couldn't get enough time with her. You guys remember that? Can I get an amen? We'd come home from a date and we'd sit in, the, we'd sit in her driveway of her parents' house and talk till four in the morning. Why? Because I couldn't get enough time with her because I loved her so much. And I just, I just wanted to be with her always. We well, you know what? We're married to Jesus in a sense. We're the bride of Christ. We should long to be in his presence always. Can I get an amen to that? Yes. Do you have a question? Anybody else? I don't believe he did. He was caught up into heaven. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too. I skipped over my notes for the sake of time. There's a lot of commonality between Moses and Elijah. There are like 10 things that they both did. I skipped over to my notes because I was running out of time. But it's pretty awesome when you look and you see how many things they had in common. And then most people believe that they're going to be the two uh, prophets in the end times. You know, the two that were snatched away, right? And they're going to be the two that come back to earth during the great tribulation, and they're struck down dead, and they're raised from the dead, right? And most people, and Moses is a picture of the law. Elijah is a picture of the prophets. Only God knows for sure who the two will be, but that makes a lot of sense to me, right? So, I, no, I don't believe he died. I believe he was caught up. It's kind of a picture of what happens to the church, right, before the great tribulation. Same with Enoch, right? Enoch walked with God, and we don't see him dying anywhere. They didn't bury any bodies. Can I get any men to that? Anybody else? Questions about anything? I'm trying to take care of some counseling sessions right now. I'm totally kidding. Totally. Call me anytime. Y'all have my cell phone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. And Lord, we just pray that it show us that there are things in our lives that have more priority than they should. Lord, we, we need to be good workers and good, good husbands and wives and good parents. But Lord, we know all of that comes when we make you the priority and passion of our lives. May we seek first your kingdom and your glory. Lord, we can't do any of this if, you don't, if we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Less of us and more of you. Lord, may we just be tools in the hands of the master, always giving you the glory. Bring divine appointments. May we not walk by them. May we not miss it, Lord. We lay all this at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand up close the worship song. Oh God, my God, I...